0: There is things that go bump in the night. Welcome to Ghost Stories and the Unusual Paranormal Podcast with your host Joe the Ghost Guy. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, across the country and around the world. You are listening to Ghost Stories and the Unusual Paranormal Podcasts. I am your host, Joe the Ghost Guy. I got a question for my listeners out there. How do you uh, listen or get your news? Do you listen to it on the radio? Watch it on your favorite local stations? Like here in Arizona, we got Channel 3, Channel 12, my personal favorite, a Channel 10. You know, what do you, uh, you know, what channel do you like? Or do you happen to uh, go to the local newsstand and pick up your uh, newspaper? Or uh, here you go to local uh, Circle K or QT and pick it up, and, and uh, once you get the newspaper, what do you look for? Well, sometimes you, uh, Sometimes I look at my, uh, I'll go to the sports page. and Sometimes cheer for your you know, favorite team and that they won, or you know, sometimes uh, you know they don't uh, do so good, and you just give them a good cry and you know, oh no, yeah, sometimes that way too, you know oh no they lost. Or do you, uh, enjoy your, uh, favorite, uh, comic strip in the comic section? <laughs> you know, do you, uh, like, you know, who doesn't like a good, uh, Phoenix character or, or, uh, you know, Dennis the Menace or Family Circle or, you know, and others? And, uh. No, and I notice a lot of uh, some people also uh, look at the obituaries, and, and uh, yeah, and uh, you will know, see uh, some you know familiar faces they never knew that you know passed on, and uh, and sometimes what if you know you look at a newspaper. And Read an article that happens to be strange. That happens to be in the newspaper. Some news that you would never thought of in a million years beyond in it. They're having a slow day, or it just seems strange and this out there. Well, today's episode, we're gonna look into uh, some of the. Uh, Haunted or strange paranormal newspaper clippings. These are indignantly, aden- these, these ain't made up. These are exactly, indignantly uh, true. So bear with me, you know, some of these are very old. And you know, sometimes they, it's hard to read them sometimes. Yeah, like uh, this one, it's uh. This one's from, uh, the first story here, is from the Chicago Tribune. It's uh, from Saturday, uh, January 27th, 1906. And it's uh, called Haunted by Dead Mother. Frank Swillis says a spirit disturbs him in his peace believes the apparition of his dead parent is punishing him because he's cursed her for leaving most of her property to his sister. It's like a little squabbling rivalry here. His wife confirms a report of the mysterious uh, doings in their household, tables, and chairs are upset. Because he's cursed his mother for supposed injustice to him previous to her death a year ago, Frank Swillis, 1596 West 39th Street, believes he he and his family are haunted by her spirit. When the mother of Swillis died last February, she left most of her property to her daughter. The son thought he had been treated unjustly and his anger over the matter caused him to utter violent uh, excretions against the dead mom or dead woman. Shortly afterward, the strange apparitions accompanied by uncommon noises took possession of the swillest residence, Convinced he is haunted, first, of the, first the son and his wife treated the visitations as imaginary and tried to forget the spirit because they did not believe what are termed ghosts. But as the apparitions increased, the number of their visits so uh, Constance uh, spoke him, and he became convinced that he is haunted because of the unkind words he had spoken against his late mother. The night recently, on one night, a recently a shadow passed between Seulis and the lamp in his room. He looked up and saw what declares was a form of his mother. Mrs. Swillis also saw the apparition. Since the tables and the chairs had been moved to and fro, the water had been turned on and off at the sink, and nobody was near it. Father, while at work, well, until two uh, two weeks ago, Swillis, was a night watchman at one of the warehouses, a swifting company, and at the stockyards. But the avenging spirit haunted him there, too. So he sought a day position on the kill floor of the swift plant. I'm convinced that there is more to these apparitions than I first thought, said, said last evening. I know I haven't imagined the things that have happened recently. Mrs. Willis cooperated with her husband's story. The mother of the haunted man was Mrs. F. Swansky, Kolottzsky. She lived with her daughter, Dr. F. Reinstorm at 1003 West 31st place. She says, my mother was always kind to all of us. Said. She said, Dr. Uh, Grimstorm. And if Frank is followed by her specter, or a specter, it is because his conscience troubles him. He sees her as his own consciousness, and then he believes that he is being pursued. Next story is called the Tennessee Ghost or the Bell Ghost. Seen in, in a late post, a notice of celebrated Lane Ghost of London reminded other another ghost of which I have not before thought for years. It made a great noise and created a tremendous excitement it made its appearance in Robson County, Tennessee, some 30 years ago, or upwards at the house of an old Mr. Bell. Hence, I called it the, the Tennessee Ghost, or perhaps better call it the Bell Ghost, as it seemed to have visited his house on account of his daughter he had Familiarly called Mrs. Betsy Bell. It was in the form of a voice speaking in different parts of the house. It generally, as ghosts uh, were to do, manifests itself only in the night, and if not mistaken, the light's had be all put out before it would speak. It would be heard sometimes in one part of the house, sometimes in the other part of the house. Moving from floor and under the floor, and in the walls to the beds, open space in the midst of the house, the roof, etc. The ghost would converse freely with persons and such as the excitement it created. That was the house was consistently thronged with persons from all parts of the country coming from even 50, mile, 50 miles away or more to hear it. When it spoke it at, uh, and when asked how long is it going to take to remain, it would reply until Joshua Gardner and Betsy Bell get married. Now, Mr. Gardner was a very likely young man who reside in the neighborhood and with whom the writer of this subsequently became well a- a- acquainted. Such was the number of people who thronged the house night after night that they would come near and eating old Mr. Bell out of house and home. But the thing could not last always. Spell of enchantment was the sin to be broken. It turned out that Mrs. Betsy Bell was a ventriloquist, had from some acquaintance, some had some circumstance, became well aware of possession of such powers had fallen in love with Mr. Gardner and wished him to marry her, and had fallen upon his plan to bring the, about mutual union. But Joshua Gardner and Betsy Bell never got married, and the ghost, at length, vanished in, into thin air, as it generally the end of all ghosts. There were numbers now living in the Robertson County, Tennessee, and other, uh, elsewhere, elsewhere would heard this ghost and were all acquainted with the circumstances. This is the Saturday Evening Post. And this is from Boston, Massachusetts on Saturday, January 26, 1856. Next story is called Tobacco Yarn. Was well, strangely weird and oddly marvelous. Speaking about a curly, courteous incidents, remarked one of the hot air fraternity reminds me of one that happened to me down south. Yes, very curious, but nonetheless a fact. He paused long enough to put a dent in another fellow's paper of state when continued. You see, it was this way. I had been bumming the country and taking life easy, and also everything that was portable, not chained down. When I landed in a certain Southern city, it does not matter where, and thought I'd go to work for a change. But don't look at me that way, gentlemen necessarily didn't couple me to do so. I only did it as a novelty. I know I was, I was disgraced in the profession, but, but my desire to see how plugged tobacco was manufactured, led me to ask for a situation so that I could satisfy my curiosity well and did you actually go to work asked one listener yes and no i had been assigned to a cutter machine and in 10 minutes of it was enough for me what was the matter did you regret what he had done i certainly did see this stump on my left hand yes we see it but well, that stuff was caused by the cutter. I was operating it, and it sliced off my finger, and I regret it right then and there. But what But was that to do with the curious instinct you spoke of? I'm coming to that. Were you ever in Paris, Texas? Yes, I know the place very well. And you remember that small grocery Near the depot, certainly, but on, but with your story, well, I went there, and after giving the pr- proprietor a hard look, story, he handed me something to eat and a plug to, of tobacco. I wandered, I wandered down the road, and after shaking hands with the first good meal I had in a week, I took out the plug to make a chew but after i sunk my teeth into it i would s- struck something hard and it couldn't bite it what do you think it was a piece of wood or something kind no sir you were way off well what was it <laughs> you may not believe it gentlemen but When I had cut my cut the plug in half, I found that it was a piece of the finger that I lost two years before in the South. Ouch! Some men would like to die in a in a cook shop and be buried in a wine cellar. That article came from the Leavenworth. Times in Leavenworth, Kansas, Sunday, December 14th, 1902. And I think that was a little bit of a karma there for that uh, gentleman that, uh, you know, he'll say goes uh, once around, comes around. here's a headline just right before halloween here the frosty fall season once again settled over northern hampshire for some that means warming up against the cold while for others it's prime time to get those goosebumps going we've got the latter covered with today's post which refers to three ghost stories that have haunted past papers, are tales of real or just stories that meant to thrill and chill. You could be the judge. One, the haunted mind. There's something about the enclosed space that leads itself to creepiness, isn't there? If you take that enclosed space underground, it is only gets worse. This 1887 story recounts the Halloween experience of Mr. Bennett, whose qualifications as a reliable source speak of for themselves. Mr. Bennett was known as a well-known many persons in San Francisco as well as part of Nevada and many of the mountain towns in California. It was, for a number of years, an employee of Wells Fargo and Company. And in the old staging days, had charge as superintendent, was in charge of superintendent of all their horses and coaches, and as much of the time traveling to and fro over their roots. He is an every uh, truthful man and a Pacific Coast pioneer, and a man who throughout his life was feared. No evil thing that walks by night in fog or fire by lake or north fin, blue meaner hag, or stubborn unled ghost, that breaks his magic chains that curfew time. No goblin, no sweat, no smart fancy of the mind. He says that never until last week he did see or hear anything that could not account for. Bennett worked in Navajo, a jacket mine, which made the news nearly two decades earlier following a deadly fire stories since been told of unexplained sounds and sights in the mine but Bennett could not believe them that is until the day he had re- retrieve a, a pair of shovels from from the empty 1000th level 1000th level Bennett found the shovels and was descending the ladder back to the 1100th level when he heard footsteps at the, at first, Bennett thought it was just the foreman, Pete Lagman, but Lagman would have used the light and footsteps were approaching from complete darkness. A track floor. track floor was moving down with his lantern below the hole in the floor, but his head still through it. He was startled and hearing the splen- or splendid of, of heavy footsteps continuing tapping over. The planks directly towards him. He began to descend the ladder as rapidly as possible, and uh, while he did, he heard the, f- the steps immediately over his head at the hole he had just left. He pursued down to the ladder a short distance till he reached an oar shoot and leads down from the floor in which the footsteps were heard. Noticing he knew that no men were working on the level, but it came into his head that Langdon might possibly have followed him up to the part of the mine. Through the, through and through they struck him that pete could not have come without the light and would not be trumping about the dark he called out and asked who who was it and heard no answer but the footsteps coming closer suddenly two shovels heard under his arm violently just thrust forward, thrust forward, and sent flying. They trembled, tumbled down the the ladder way until they came to rest 30 feet away. Upon this time, Mr. Bennett, says Mr. Bennett, I was not very badly frightened, but when I felt the thrust from behind and saw the shovels flying ahead of me, I felt through my whole system, a chilling, sickening shock. For a moment, I was almost paralyzed when a fear of something worse, the trumpet of the floor above still continued. I descended the ladder as swiftly as possible. Then I scrambled back, to, back into the other workers and confirmed Pete Legman had been above the ground throughout his experience. Bennett, who once made himself through all parts of the mine with no thought of fear, refused to return to the haunted thousandth level ever again. The Haunted Lighthouse. This story is also from the 1800s. And reads a bit like a gothic uh, car story. The author, Tom, was hired to replace a lighthouse keeper who had deserted his employee months before and had been heard from since. He is told man had a pretty wife and had to, uh, the two of them were suspected to have deserted. So effectively, uh, because they had stolen some items from the lighthouse. The first night, Tom asked the temporary keeper, Morgan, to stay with them this first night and teach him the ropes. Morgan was reluctant, and Tom noticed his face looked haggard and anxious, but he agreed and skipped the tour of the cellars. I was showing Tom around the White House, claiming they were never used anyway. And that night passed remarkably, Morgan was all too eager to leave the next morning and gave only one strange bit of advice. Sure, almost uh, in silence, when within about half an hour, half a mile, from land, Morgan, who had been thinking deeply, su- suddenly stopped pulling and very abruptly asked me if I had any arms in the lighthouse. Somewhat startled at this question, I replied that I had a revolver, but it was unloaded, as I didn't see how I could require it. Better load it, was the hurried answer. It's lonesome at times out yonder, and you'll feel more comfortable if you have something by you and you could trust to. We were close to, to the land now, and in a moment or two, my companion swung ashore and hurriedly wa- wished me goodbye, strode away through the trees, and was soon lost to sight. I knew no one in the little. Please leave us a rating on our podcast. It will help us better with our investigations and podcast. And if you want to join our group, go to patron.com, find our show, and become a paranormal investigator and become a member of the team. It was, wasn't it till the second night, spent alone in the lighthouse, a moonless Saturday evening, at Tom at his first taste of the supernatural. Dead silence surrounded me. The clock had just struck 11, and I was thinking of visiting my lights. when suddenly, a confused noise of struggling and curses intermingled with the sound of heavy blows arose from beneath me. I sprung from my chair. My first impression being that these had broken into the lighthouse while I stood listening rapid steps ascending the stairs, and I was as I turned to seize the poker as my nearest weapon available. The door flew a violently open, and to my intense horror, the sound of the oaths and struggling commenced close by but not a thing which could cause it was visible. The noise barely last a minute, lifetime, as it seemed to me, and appeared again to descend the stair. For a moment, all was still. I was beginning to stay, I was beginning to try and persuade myself that I had been the victim of some horrible hallucination when a wild shrill scream, the agony of which haunts me still, rang through the silent building, and a woman's voice exclaimed, George, George, for God's sake, don't murder me. A dull thud as some heavy substance falling to the ground, a low gargling noise, and all was still. After some time spent in a frozen terror, Tom woke up in the courage to explore the cold, clammy cellar with his lantern and revolver in hand. Despite all that he had experienced, there was nothing unusual to be seen. He secured the cellar door and spent a sleepless night at the top of the lighthouse. The next day, he went back to the shore to share what had happened with Mr. Thompson, the man who had hired him. Thompson was skeptical, but sent a man named Wilson stay a few days with him. Wilson helped him, and now the cellar door shut. But of course, the days passed. And no further unexplained events, Wilson left. Tom felt foolish until that Saturday evening when the events occurred again exactly as they had been the week before that I had paid no heed to the fight uh, to the flight of time until with a sense of horror, amounting almost a to sickness, I heard the sound of the oaths and bellows a manstream from the cellar, a moment's pause, and the footsteps I heard before extending from the stair, and I crouched into the corner with my eyes dilated, and every hair upon my head moving in my agony of terror. The sound of scuffling commenced close by me. Through as before, not a thing was visible. Again, sounds appeared to descend the stair. Again, above the howling of the wind and the roar of the waves, arose the uh, an astonished and and tragedy, George, George, for God's sakes, don't murder me! How could I pass the reminder of that night? I hardly knew nothing more occurred, but I was hard. I, it was so strong that what I had for the second time heard that I reminded the heaven knows how long, crouching by my side, muttering incoherent prayers, and my state of hysterical fear, which almost benefit me and my sense with the first straight. It was, wasn't until the second night, spent alone in the lighthouse, a moonless Saturday evening, that Tom had his first taste of the supernatural. Dead silence surrounded me. The clock had just struck eleven, and I was thinking of visiting my lights. when Suddenly, a confused noise of struggling and curses intermingled with the sound of heavy blows arose from beneath me. I sprung from my chair. My first impression being that these had broken into the lighthouse while I stood listening rapid steps ascending the stairs, and I was as I turned to seize the poker as my nearest weapon available. The door flew a violently open, and to my intense horror, the sound of the oaths and struggling commenced close by me, but not a thing which could cause it was visible. The noise barely lasted a minute, lifetime, as it seemed to me, and appeared again to descend the stair. For a moment, all was still. I was beginning to stay, I was beginning to try and persuade myself that I had been the victim of some horrible hallucination when a wild, shrill screamed the agony of which haunts me still, rang through the silent building, and a woman's voice exclaimed, George, George, for God's sake, don't murder me! A dull thud as some heavy substance falling to the ground, a low, gurgling noise, and all was still. After some time spent in a frozen terror, Tom woke up in the courage to explore the cold clammy cellar with his lantern and revolver in hand. Despite all that he had experienced, there was nothing unusual to be seen. He secured the cellar door and spent a sleepless night at the top of the lighthouse. The next day, He went back to the shore to share what had happened with Mr. Thompson, the man who had hired him. Thompson was skeptical, but sent a man named Wilson stay a few days with him. Wilson helped him, and now the cellar door shut. But of course, the days passed with no further unexplained events. Wilson left. Tom felt foolish until that Saturday evening, when the events occurred again exactly as they had been the week before. That I had paid no heed to the fight, uh, to the flight of time, until, with a sense of horror amounting almost to, to sickness, I heard the sound of the oaths. And bellows, a manstring from the cellar. A moment's pause, and the footsteps I heard before extended from the stair, and I crouched into the corner with my eyes dilated, and every hair upon my head moving in my agony of terror. The sound of scuffling commenced close by me. Through as before, not a thing was visible. Again, sounds appeared to descend the stair. Again, above the howling of the wind and the roar of the waves, arose the uh, an astonished and, and, tr- and triggity. George, George, for God's sakes, don't murder me. How could I pass the reminder of that night? I hardly knew, nothing more occurred, but I was hard, it was so strong that what I had for the second time heard that reminded the heaven knows how long, crouching by my side, muttering incoherent prayers, and my state of hysterical fear, which almost benefit me and my sense with the first straight. And an expected an inexperienced, an ex-celebrated Mr. Thompson once again sent Wilson to act as witness to any further oddities, and made plans to come himself the next Saturday evening, aside from the unnerving discovery that the nails in the cellar door had been forcibly ripped out. Wilson and Tom passed that week quickly. On Saturday, Thompson arrived and all three men took a position directly outside the cellar door. As the clock chimed eleven, they heard the shouting and blows begin. The door flew open and the voice screamed as it had before. This time a violent vision played out before their eyes. Makes me shut my eyes in dread. By the light of a pale laminate flame that seemed to spring from every part of the cellar, we saw the dead body of a man lying on the ground, the face and head so battered and covered with blood as to make the features undistinguishable. Over it stood a woman in her nightdress, her arms extended as if to ward off a blow while from a gasping wound in her throat, the blood poured down in Terrence. I remember that not it acknowledged, in Trinity visible, in the large blue eyes, and the ripping masses of golden hair, contrasting strongly with the blood-covered bosom, but no more after I fell insensible when i came to i found myself in bed and so this weak week that i could barely turn around i had been nearly dying it afterwards turned out from an attack a brain fever brought on the doctor said by over mental excitement mr thompson arranged the investigation of the cellar and found the bodies of a man and a woman, identified as a local farmer and the wife of the former light- lighthouse keeper. They tracked down the keeper and got his confession. He suspected the intimate relationship between his wife and the farmer. and had killed them both in a jealous rage despite his wife's protests of innocence. And thus the ghosts of the wronged who had haunted that lovely lighthouse could rest. Their mystery now solved. The Haunted Tower. The story might be familiar especially to those who have visited the Tower of London before. The famous Castle Prison has its fair share of groom history perhaps the most nobly as the site of the multiple royal executions during the reign of Henry VIII, his second wife, Anne Boleyn, and one of those, and according to several newspaper articles across the years, their ghosts make the regular appearance in the tower today. Anne Boleyn's ghost, fortunately, when the unfortunate spouse of Henry VIII haunts the Tower of London, the foot guards during sentry duty said to have seen a ghost every night, a warning of death. The story says that heard, he the heard a scream during his rounds. He ran and sound the sound and found a fellow guard unconscious beside his rifle. When the affected guard came to, he was in such state of distress that he was unable to resume his post. Under questioning, he finally revealed what happened, and the fact of restricted questioning, he remained that, that he had seen, with overwhelming horror, the showy figure of a headless woman approaching. He mistrusted his vision in the darkness so he challenged the figure there was no reply the rifle with his bayonet fixed <Smithson> his hands clattering on the paving with the scream he fell conscious that have been endless stories since that day of how our her ruthless fear haunts it, the gloomy ancient tower of the people who lived in the neighborhood firmly arrest. rest. They have seen it. So many sentries who have patrolled the tower, their superior officers laugh, but they challenge the sentries often. You can receive this podcast transmission from the following channels. Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, Spotify, or anywhere else you can receive transmissions and that is our haunted ghostly headlines from the newspapers i hope you enjoy it please if you enjoyed it please uh contact me by facebook either jo- joseph scott or joseph michael scott you reach us on our uh, facebook uh, twitter at uh, Joe the ghost guy and you could reach us at uh you know anywhere um you know we have our we have our patreon our patreon for a dollar you could be a uh you know paranormal investigator if we get enough uh, people interested uh we could you know make a make it adventurous by having uh you know an extra you know uh episode of your choosing, or maybe we could uh get out some gifts or something, but I need you guys as patreons and please support me and, and uh all of our uh informations uh, down below after this uh episode each and every week and uh you know and I wanna thank all you know my. My three wonderful and lovely critics that uh, helped me critique this podcast. And without them, that you know, I'm, I'd be striving, uh, you know, to be in better as far as reading and bringing to you with, you know, better content. And uh, I hope you uh, continue and hope you enjoyed this episode again all the information is at the end of this episode thank you and please uh you know it's october and uh you know breast uh, breast cancer awareness uh, month and please uh take care of your loved ones and please uh take care of the people that have cancer and give them a good hug and tell them you love them until then this is your paranormal investigator, Joe the Ghost Guy, signing out. Adios, amigos. See you later. You can reach us by the following. Facebook at Joseph Scott or Joseph Michael Scott. X or Twitter at Joe the Ghost Guy. Write us an email at ghost stories at gmail.com. No job is too big. No fee is too big. We are ready to believe you. You can catch any new episodes. On YouTube at Ghost Stories and the Unusual Paranormal Podcast, and on TikTok at Joe the Ghost Guy.